This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I think it's important for this episode for me. What was important for me Mm -hmm. is that I wanted to get back to what it's like to be the child inside. Yeah, Mm. this is you as the adult outside? Mm -hmm. This is it? (laughs) Because right now we make a good career, we make a nice living just telling jokes about our cocks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is, but this is you adulted. That's me as an admiral. That's me as a man of industry. That's me as the head of a household. And what nobody fucking understands is that I'm standing up for this. Is nobody understands is that the head of a household, how much pressure, how much pressure is on the father. And no one wants to say anything bad about, oh, the mother. Oh, how good the mother is. Wow. But sometimes, sometimes it's the father that has, oh, oh, what kind of internal investigation we're having over here over the father with the whole wow. family. Well, and what a way to start the show. A strange, empathetic approach to the father. But, Welcome to the last that's podcast where it's like, on the left, You have to get everyone. back to the boy. You have to get back to the boy. Who, it's the boy uh, who's inside who knows he's got a tap dance because if not. I'm going to get shot in the back of the head with mommy, Tina, Bethany, oh and we're my. all going to be late execution style <laughs> in the ballroom because I wasn't you? funny enough at lunch. <laughs> just, just, I'm upset. I know. You've made everyone upset. What's up, everybody? As I said, this is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben hanging out with Henry and Marcus. No one appreciates the father. People appreciate the father. There's a whole day for the father. It's very nice. The father goes, he makes the money, he shuts up, and he grills. That's That's, the dad. No, he's supposed to stand silent outside looking at an American flag, drinking a PBR (laughs) with a fly swatter and a bag of charcoals next to him and no emotions, not a smile or a frown. I think you just described <laughs> what Randy Quaid is doing right now. All right, everyone. Why are we talking about fathers? Because today's episode, it's all about the family. Unfortunately, not all families. Focus on the family. Do That's not us. Focus on the family. Focus I'm still traumatized by Dr. James Dobson. Air quotes, Dr. James Dobson. The man should be in prison for everything that he's done wrong. No, we're not doing focus on the family. We are talking about uh, a different way to destroy your family other than corrosive religious beliefs. Let's talk about John List. This story is, uh, I'm going to say this. Um, I'm happy that my dad never did that to me. You know, so thank you. I'm going to say this right now. You were let's tall all thank our fathers for us being here. Thank you, Dad. Let's do thank, thank you, Dad. You, thank you, Daddy. On three. 
One, two, three. Thank, thank you, thank daddy. You, daddy. I'm not going to say thank you, daddy. Both of you guys are disgusting. <laughs> and nobody ever wanted to hear you. But there yeah. is actual destructive religious beliefs already. They are in this episode. Okay, good. And it's, and it's riddled with Central it. Central to it. This this topic, the family annihilator, is fascinating to me because right now I know you're sitting there. Some of you have families, and you're looking Many. at them. Everyone like, kind of has a family. Yeah, I'm seeing, but some people have made families. Oh sure, yeah, sure. family you've created. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. And right now, I bet you're looking at your kids and you think like, I did a pretty good job. If one of them's not like, was it like, at the Capitol last week? I mean, you're I sitting don't there, know. Just <laughs> sitting there and knowing that I've done a good job, but also at the same time, couldn't you think that if you had a second chance to make a new family. Right. You could actually do like a lot better with the new family. <laughs> no, so don't do it. Multiplicity, they just get worse and worse. The first family, I'm sorry to say, that was your best shot. I don't know. So Sometimes- the kid that you're looking at right now eating Play-Doh, the other kid who is actively looking at the toilet for some reason, those are your those are the cream of the cream of your cream. But you could look up to the Bobby Bonilla family annihilators, John List. You can look up to him and say he knew he just needed to blow one family out of the pipe first and then remake a new family. Okay, so this is about reincarnation. Oh, great. All right, let's it's talk. It's about growth. Okay, let's talk about John List. Uh, this guy is a monster. John List was an American mass murderer who shot and killed his entire family one by one over the course of an entire day on November 9th, 1971. That's my mom's birthday. No No shit. List, however, however, is unique in the world of family annihilators and the fact that he got away with it for 18 years and even managed to remarry under an assumed identity. Now, while John List was certainly looking for the reset button that so many family annihilators are after. Slamming that button, slamming that button, (laughs) slamming that button. He mostly killed his family because he was failing financially and figured that his wife and kids were better off dead than poor. Additionally, John List was also highly religious and believed that if he simply up and left, his children, who were already drifting away from the church, would renounce Christianity and therefore find themselves in the flames of hell. Yeah, get me there! Send me to the Father! You know, it's actually pretty nice. I I died with a bunch of SPF 1000 in my asshole. They didn't take it out. So hell is pretty cool for me. It's actually kind of nice. It's like Palm Springs in August. As far as personality went, John List's defining trait was that he was terribly, incredibly, almost pathologically dull. So dull that his dullness actually becomes a source of fascination. I'm so dull that my dullness reaches down to the epicness of total chaos. <laughs> John List's great passion in life was accounting. But even though he was a perfectly competent accountant, he wasn't what you'd call a people person, which meant he couldn't survive in the corporate waters of the 1960s in which he was trying to swim. You, in the 1960s especially, you gotta like, you had to entertain, you had to make Do meat you? jello. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You had to, your <laughs> wife had to wear like one of those like doily shirts where you can kind of see her breasts and you had to like sit there with like the, the same cup from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the eggnog cup with the, <laughs> with the moose antlers on it and you gotta be like, well, Bob, I gotta tell you, the grill outside is, honestly, it never gets cool. Like, you have to be able to mix it. It's always hot. Um, So he was more boring than your average accountant. 
Yes. So he stood abs- out as a, like, it's not exactly a group of extroverts. <laughs> the accountants are the ones that you have to take the elevator and you hit the button that you never hit. It's like the red button that you have yes. to, and you're like, the seventh who floor? goes down to the negative seventh floor? Yeah, it's just a man with a, you know those guys who hold their briefcases with their two hands in front of their own chests, and they have like yeah. owl's glasses on? It's those guys. And you're like, what does he do? And, they, he, and he's like, I crunch numbers. And you're like, don't speak to me anymore. I'm talent. They also know that people want to shoot them in the heart, so they got to protect themselves with the briefcase, because the numbers never lie, and sometimes the numbers tell you, you're broke. Hmm. <laughs> well, John List failed again and again and although he could have lived a perfectly normal middle class life middle class just wasn't good enough not good enough yet a real american yeah and middle class in the 1960s which today would be upper upper middle class yeah have a so, little fun with it go to the wendy's go to the mcdonald's everything is new everything is fresh the 60s were a great time to be you middle class don't fucking understand the pressure what pressure? Being You're the a father. <laughs> the pressure that I feel every day waking up. You Wendy's need to go to therapy. There. Oh, Wendy. Oh, <laughs> I am in therapy. And they don't understand the pressure. So John List took a gun and killed his entire family, including his mother, in a matter of hours. Really? This series is a portrait of a truly American tragedy from the unnecessarily miserable lives lived by most of the List family to the conclusion that John List drew as the only viable solution to his problems. Family annihilators have been a subject of curiosity for professors actually only recently because it's fairly modern. Uh, in their prevalence, because they used to, it, I was reading this one book that I actually thought was very interesting. It is called Familial Hearts, The Emotional Styles of 211 Killers Jeez. by Neil Webster. <laughs> That's a shitload of killers. It's a lot of killers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's between this book and a couple other things, talk, breaking down what family annihilators are and what are the, what is the root cause of why does mostly a white male father of a family uh, wipe out his family? And because they also, because a lot of times they've been fighting over what the term familial side even means. They've, this one, they have to like, carve out a meaning in this book where he's like I hold firm the familial side is when someone kills you have to kill a spouse Uh and you have to kill at least the majority of your children and of course (laughs) while killing the majority of the children and killing your spouse you have to listen to the hit song Wipeout Wipeout (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna come up again and again thank god we're on Spotify because then we can use that song um But the, his theory is that he breaks family killers down into livid coercive killers and civil reputable killers. Where livid coercive killers okay. are one style of someone that was a physically dominant and violent person that wanted total control of their family. Someone and who they, the neighbors would say, saw that coming. Yes, they yeah. heard okay. fights and that the final family annihilation was an expression of like one last... Uh, spike of violence normally when the relationship is about to fall apart we're finally about to finally leave the civil reputable ones are what we're talking about essentially today which is also a mixture of there's also a term called anomic which is an economic killing the idea mm-hmm. that like because of the father's mostly again the father's status was threatened economically because he views that as himself as like soul points like we do in America that right. what you're worth financially social what, credit system in a sense yeah it's what you're worth 
worth as a human being. So they see these things taken away from them. They then look at their family as an extension of them of themselves, like literally an extension of their of, phys- of their calm. It's living calm, walking around, eating your food, living in your home, <laughs> well, rent free. You should never refer to your children as my living calm. Not if you are a parent out there, please spare them that unbelievable trauma of reminding them that they are nothing more than half cum and half egg. You are mostly egg. <laughs> and and uh, that's what I said to you, son. Uh, you must have gotten most of the egg. I'm mostly egg. <laughs> I, uh, so wait, wait, I don't even know wait. if that's an insult, Dad. <laughs> when he killed the families, though, when he kills the family, though, this quote unquote the civil reputable ones, if that's how you want to classify it, they uh, it's extended suicide. Yeah. So oh, it is okay. a way to because why that's why normally these end in this suicide of the killer. Normally yeah. the daddy offs himself. Well, we'll see here it's with John half and half. When yes. uh, as far as how it is fifty percent kill themselves and fifty percent try to get away with it. Okay. So now, but we're seeing Mr. List. Wait, I guess I, we should better call so we don't get upset. What Mr. List did here <laughs> um, is that he saw instead of again truly American, instead of saw this as some kind of tragedy he did to himself, he saw this as an opportunity. Wow. <laughs> to change. Wow, I do have to say it. <laughs> Boom. Flip it. Yep. <laughs> but before we get into the story of how all this happened, let's acknowledge our sources today. The first is Death Sentence by Joe Sharkey, while the other is Righteous Carnage by Ooh. Timothy Benford and James Johnston. Yeah. Out of the two. I'd go for death sentence, but both certainly have have their merits. Death, righteous carnage is the better uh, title, but death sentence is the better book. This is my grandmother moment of the day. It's amazing how many fun, creative titles there are. <laughs> because every book has a different title, and every book is kind yeah. Of because fun. that's also because they of copyright. Are, uh, we yeah, haven't read one book with the same title, but they're always like, "Whoa!" Yeah, because if every book had the same title, there not every book. I'm just saying some titles you would think would would cross over. That's true. But yeah, every title are, is different. Every title is good. Yeah, there are yeah. titles that are the Some are titles the are the same. There All are I know is that, if Donald Trump gets a presidential library, only the books that we reference on this show should be in it. I think that's actually a really good uh, exchange. <laughs> you actually can't copyright titles. If I wanted to name a book uh, fucking Gone with the Wind, I could. What? Yeah. And no it's, just about, it's just about no, flatulence. It's the best episode we've ever done. It's just about Mar- Marcus Parks likes to fart, fart in empty coffee cans and put them back in the cupboard. So John Emile List was born in Bay City, Michigan on September 17th, 1925 to John Frederick and Alma List, who were cousins. Nice. <laughs> okay. That's a, it's, it's great because then your uncle can teach you how to kiss. Yeah, all in the family indeed. Okay. Well, Frederick was over two decades older than Alma and married her after his first wife died from cancer. In fact, Alma had been the nurse who had taken care of that first wife in hospice. Okay. Now, that, happens more, jo- that happens more often that. than not. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Now, throughout John List's childhood, he was treated almost as an afterthought when it came to his father. When the family bought a house, Frederick remodeled, made the top floor a rentable apartment, and made John sleep downstairs in the lounge, never giving him a room of his own. He was teaching him a lesson about how he has to earn his cape. I mean, it's going to help out in college when you just crowd, uh, when you just couch surf a whole bunch, you're going to be totally hmm. comfortable. Yeah, he's down there with the foosball table, and the, that's where he belongs, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Would have been How nice are you to all have a bedroom, immediately though? defending this man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, no, John, listen, no, I'm not. I like to sleep on the couch, though. I actually usually sleep on the couch. It makes me feel comfortable. Well, Frederick never warmed to his son in any way, and in fact referred to John only as the boy. Jeez. 
but the only things that Frederick passed on to his son was the old Protestant work ethic and a strict adherence to the Lutheran faith. And also the nickname that stuck with me to this day. Everybody calls me the boy, even though obviously I'm a full-grown man. And oftentimes I have the um, the numbers and the, the various files of all several different town companies in my hand. And I honestly comes down to when they refer to me as the boy, I actually would refer. I oh, would knock, prefer, knock, knock. Yes? Hey, are you the boy? I'm supposed to, they, they <laughs> told me John. I'm trying to figure out my, how, much, how much taxes I have to pay this year are you they told me to go see the the boy i, uh, I am a man i am you uh, are the boy it says Listing. the boy on the sign i wish that that were changing it but simply they simply will not listen to me in the meetings and i keep telling them i you know we could really go over certain certain dividends and we could talk about it in the fall i mean honestly the fall is yeah. a really good time for new business and you want to actually save it up for the final quarter of the year you want to wrap everything up budget wise so thank you boy <laughs> Well, in Frederick's view, and in the view of many Protestants, a man's lot in life was to work long hours, do as he was told, and spend his free time either reading the Bible, going to church, or finding some other way to exalt the Lord. Yay! So much fun, so much to look forward to. Well, essentially, it's the mixing of capitalism and Christianity. The idea that a man exalts Christ through creating capital, all while while insisting that capitalism is somehow the most Christ-like economic system when it is, in fact, the least. You don't remember that whole parable in the Bible when Jesus had the 12 disciples all fight for a URL? (laughs) He got them in a bidding war for JesusChristSaves.com? Hey, man, that website's doing great right now. I mean, in fact, many of the so-called seven deadly sins like greed, gluttony, pride, envy, and wrath are essential to advancing in the capitalist world in the way that people like John List viewed capitalism. In this belief structure, they see sloth and lust as the only sins that matter. To them, being poor is a sign that you have displeased God, and therefore, poor people are to be looked down upon as sinners who are getting exactly what they deserve for having led a sinful life. And of course, they have quite a few things to say about sex as well. Also, the poor radiate sin. Mm. And I think that's important to remember in this story because that's kind of what the, the idea is that he constantly thought that the idea is that if you fall below a certain economic line, that not only are you then you're then lowered into the sin of the of the poor. You have to go so down they, into the soup and and be with them with all the seaweed and the cubes of evil tofu. <laughs> tofu is pretty expensive, actually. So they think that lower economic status is contra- uh, contagion. They're just like, oh, this is actually something. If you hang out with poor people too much, you're going to become one of them. You Do can. they think it's an actual disease? It sounds like that's how they view it. Almost like they were they were uh, smited by God. It's definitely viewed as if they were smited by God. Like it is seen poor being poor is seen as uh, a punishment, but it is also it's seen as both a punishment and also something that is completely entirely uh, your fault. But usually it's your fault because you have sinned. Yes, your symptom of a sinner is being poor. It's it's strange, though, because it really isn't even that's not even uh, doesn't that's not what the Bible really says about even being poor. Get oh, out of here, not. you fucking <laughs> piece of shit. No, but it's just weird. It's strange yeah, they no, chose to choose that as a, as a narrative. No. I mean, people like John view Christianity as a set of rules that are used to control the lives of others while completely ignoring the actual teachings of Jesus Christ, who had quite a bit to say about how the poor should be viewed and treated. And that's where this book, Familicidal Hearts, talks about like why it's such a modern 
phenomena, family annihilation, because he says it basically comes with the rise of capitalism and the grinds and the idea of you are uh, industrialism begets like not caring about essentially any sort of emotion whatsoever. It's about right. driving and making money and making money and making money. You're only yeah. as good as your last paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's specifically uh, a result of the corporate lifestyle, like not necessarily like just just industrialization or just capitalism. It is corporate, you know, mm. corporate living that is creating uh, these people that feel that they feel that they have no choice but to do this. We talk about automation, but honestly, people in corporate America, they've been robots for a long time, Whoa. but truly they are forced <laughs> to be robots because opinions and thoughts are not allowed. I know that with my nine month experience working in corporate. <laughs> well, furthermore, and you know, the view of John List's father, Frederick, particularly accepting any kind of assistance whatsoever, especially welfare, was to admit that you were not a man and you were not Christian. It was not Christian to accept welfare. And Frederick was not alone in this belief in the community where John List was raised. When the Great Depression began demolishing communities in the 30s and Roosevelt instituted New Deal programs to try and save them, Bay City, Michigan refused any assistance solely out of pride, oh, much that's... to the detriment of their community. Mm. Yeah, you might want to get a new mayor. <laughs> you, want to, you might want to be like, oh, all of that stuff that's going around, like, we just, no. Oh, there are people you, jumping from buildings because of economic collapse? No, we don't need those hot dogs. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Now, a man who dedicates his entire life to work in church is naturally going to be a fucking boring person. Mm -hmm. And Frederick List was just as much of a dull curmudgeon as his son would one day be. Well, I think one Dennis Rader would have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, you think wearing panties and killing a whole series of women as you're choking and strangling yourself? You think that's boring? <laughs> Honestly, to me, I'd almost describe that as funky. I think that is a little funky, Mr. Parks. The church, you see, it can be cool. Good lord. I love this. I feel like that's one of those, like, going deeper and deeper. The longer you spend on the internet, the more you're like, yes, BTK should definitely be celebrated. Look at his outfits, like him tying himself him. up and taking the pictures of himself, being like, oh, that's amazing. Look at him express himself. Absolutely, absolutely funky. <laughs> Well, really, the only story anyone had about Fred List was an incident that occurred on Halloween when John List was in high school. I don't like ghosts. I don't like werewolves. I think that they are homosexuals. You're going to hate <laughs> Halloween. Now, it comes as no surprise that a man such as Frederick List hated Halloween, partly because it involved devils and witches and ghosts, but mostly because it involved giving free candy to children that none of them had fucking worked for. Costumes are lies. Children don't work. They're not allowed to anymore by their so-called called liberal government. I don't know. <laughs> it's just fun. We're just trying to have fun because life is really hard. Ghosts sir. aren't fun. I made ghosts in the war. <laughs> <laughs> can you pretend I'm one of those ghosts and give me a Mars bar, yeah, please? Yeah, All right. First, That's let me a get gun. I have That's to, a gun. Unfortunately, <laughs> child, I would have to, in order for me to speak with you, I have to look at you through a rifle scope. <laughs> <laughs> Now, naturally, this refusal to take part in Halloween caused a rift between Fred and the neighborhood kids when Fred not only had no treats to give, but actively yelled at any kid who made the request. 
And so the kids took trick or treat really fucking seriously back then. Yeah, this is the 1960s, man. You know how difficult it no, was. This, to is actually, the four, this is the 30s. This is the 1930s, dude. Yeah, and yeah. You know how much diffi- you know how difficult it was to get candy. It's not like today. <laughs> there ain't no Kinder eggs. Every single shelf doesn't have your like impulse buy Snickers. You had to go a hundred miles just to look at a bar of chocolate. I actually don't know if that's true, but I like the idea of it. I think it's hard. And also, all the candy was just black licorice. I mean, to tell you, I've I've walked an hour to get a taco. That is oh, true. No. If I heard it's a nice stand oh. in the middle of like a weird neighborhood, I'll walk for an hour just to get it. So in the end, but it, that's how you get your steps in, yes. and you feel like you earned it. Exactly. That's your reward. Or in response to Fred, the neighborhood kids did a little ding-dong ditch, ringing the doorbell and hiding in the bushes over and over and over again. Yeah. Finally, Fred threw open the door and gave chase, but he stumbled, sprained his ankle, and pitifully wailed in pain on his front lawn. Respect me! Respect me! Yo, he did this to himself. Every neighborhood has this house. These gophers are a part of the communist agenda! (laughs) Putting holes in my lawn, they don't own this home! Oh, what a fun time to be a kid on Halloween when you you have righteous indignation over your neighbor and you can actually torment him for one night and just hear him scream Scream and hear him be angry. Oh, that's fun. Fred List was so disliked in even this community of tight asses that 50 years later, people still told that story. It was the favorite story of the neighborhood. That's so and, funny. And after this whole incident, John List in school was thereafter known by a nickname that would have been fucking awesome on a more chill dude. But on John, it was just kind of pitiful. They called him Trick or Treat Johnny. Oh, Trick or so Treat Johnny scary. sounds like his dick can just... Come out like that. <laughs> Trick or Treat Johnny. Whoa, Whoa, like chameleon tongue. Honestly, that is such a kick-ass name. Trick or Treat Johnny. Yeah, it's if you are a character from A Nightmare Before Christmas, but he yeah. is a... Seems he's like he's a, be hanging out with the chicks from Ginger Snaps. He's sitting in a full suit as a boy. He's like literally <laughs> sitting as like... Because he was a very prim, like just mm. absolutely silent, no friends. And just imagine him with his like my first ledger, like child's toy, where he's just here like <laughs> filling out fake numbers at recess and they're all calling him Trick or Treat Johnny. Johnny, you know for a fact he's either going to be coming up. He's either going to become a spree killer, yeah. or a senator. Well, <laughs> I guess he sort of split the difference there, didn't he? As far as color goes, Trick or Treat Johnny was all anyone had for John List. Mostly, he was described as simply there, the definition of seen and not heard. He was so obedient that he was punished only twice his entire childhood. Once for being unruly in church and once for running in the house. I still contend it was more of a skip. But um, (laughs) if this was a trial, I I would need a lawyer to get some evidence to show that I was not running. And unfortunately, if you really look at it, there's not a lot of footage. (laughs) There really isn't. Not, Not in the 1940s. John List pathologically obeyed authority at every turn and obeyed his mother most of all. When teachers would ask John why he didn't play with the kids, he'd say, quote, Oh no, I can't. Mother doesn't want me to get dirty. <laughs> oh God, it sounds like you're... Oh. What do you mean? <laughs> One time... Because sometimes I know, like, mom is just frantic to keep me clean. And one time yeah, I spilled some ravioli all on my belly, right? Because I was eating with no <laughs> shirt on. And she just scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed uh, and monologued about cutting out the root of evil and all these type of things. And honestly, I miss being close with mom. Yeah, I guess so. Kids are supposed to play and have fun, though. Well, according to the movie that we saw, which is wild, it's not good. 
No. Are you talking about the one with Robert Blake, Beverly D'Angelo, and Mr. David Caruso? Dude, Mm -hmm. Judgment Day, the John List story starring Robert Blake as John List is, it's very campy, but the whole beginning is just, it really does have John List's mother Really erotically washing a little boy. A lot more is the a lot mom- more erotic washing um, for a TV movie that I haven't seen on something like outside. You remember like Red Silk Diary, like Red Shoe Diary, Red Shoe Diary, Silk, silk, silk Stockings. stockings. That's what you're stockings. thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, direction. it was a, it was definitely it was an erotic caress by an older actress on a young boy. It was very strange. Yeah, I I always used to watch Cotton Socks. It was kind of a different uh, <laughs> a different adult show. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about? Cotton Socks just sounds yeah. like footage of Paterno just sitting in his fucking <laughs> lawn chair. I don't in hear the anything. Shower. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. See, like so many mass murderers and serial killers, John List grew up with an overbearing, overprotective mother who held his hand almost everywhere they went well into his teenage years. Mm. All right. That gets a bit embarrassing. In fact, as a child, they hung out so much that John actually walked and talked like his mother. You wouldn't believe that bitch Beverly down at the store. She yeah, told me the other day she lied to me about a sale on the oranges. And I told her, you don't tell me. You don't tell me when these oranges are going down 10 cents a pound. Well, I thought we were friends. She is written off. I mean, if he did do I'm that, not friends with that her could anymore. be kind of, that's actually kind she of She was exciting. my best friend last week, but now we're not friends anymore. Well, see, Mr. Smith is no longer boring. Now he's got hot goss. Now we're friends. Now I want to hang out. What else is going on in this little tiny town? Well, outside of the home, John was drilled endlessly on Bible verses at the Lutheran Missouri Synod Church, which was the List family's singular outlet for social functions. There, John learned that he was a bad boy who deserved to be punished in literal hell for all eternity for even the smallest of infractions. This fear certainly kept John in line, but it also gave him a sense of superiority over the other children that only made him want to obey the rules even more because it seemed like that was the only thing that made him feel good. It kind of feels like yeah. the same impulse that makes really good Nazis. Where mm. the idea really of... Really good Nazis. Yeah, you, like, to, you would think that that's let's the say right success, term. Successful, successful Nazis. Nazis. Not, I didn't say fun Nazis. <laughs> but the idea that someone so deep down, because he views, that's where he gets his intake from. Right, because in mm-hmm. a way, we saw the term covert narcissism also comes up quite a bit when you talk about family annihilators. Because there's this a little bit of they don't act like it; they act like they're just going along to get along. But somewhere deep inside, this man believes what he is able to do is hold a moral line that other people just don't have right. the eternal strength to do. They can't hold this line like I hold this line, which is why that's my job. My I put a toe in the dam of society <laughs> Very so good. I don't let the seepage of communism and pot <laughs> smoking no bras come into this world. Well, maybe my should, toe is in the dam. Well, maybe Respect just, the father. Just get your toe out of there. Just have a little bit of fun. It might loosen you up a little bit and then you won't have to I I did notice how out. fun it was, how nice the, the tip of my toe, and when it got wet, I thought it was nice. It was kind of nice. I hold the line. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like the wings of a plane you have to bend in order to deal with turbulence. You're a little strict. You're a little too... Yeah, I'm like a tank ripping through Africa. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's horrible. That's a horrible thing to be. 
Well, John, I mean, John List was one of those guys that, you know, because uh, a lot of us get instilled with that fear of hell at a very young age. I know I was definitely I had a, a very I had a pathological fear of hell when I was a kid up through my teenage years. But they, I eventually grew out of it. Some people taught, don't grow out. of They it. grew me you, when, when did I you was have growing that, though, up. Did you, were you oh truly God, afraid? Because I know I oh, was yeah. fucking afraid of hell. I have yeah. something inside of me that is called. I don't think so. Well, I don't think so. And so I remember I was in, it was very hardcore Christianity. And I remember talking. They were talking about hell and all that stuff. And I just remember thinking even at like six, I was like, I don't think so. Hmm. See, I was like, ben, it doesn't I think make you're any saved. sense. You're, saved. You know you're like the little glass box, the little person that is the real you inside of your mind that it's like held inside. That saved you. Yeah. I was just like, I don't think. Why would, how would it even work? Hmm. It doesn't make any you sense. Then I think the problem with, that they did with you is that with you, they went over the top. They sold it too hard with me and Henry, or at least with me. They treated it as this completely normal, um, everyday thing that it was just sort of a, like hell was a place just like Dallas was a place. And it was mm. made to be it was made to seem so reasonable. Well, isn't and there such actually, a normal thing? Isn't there a place called hell, Texas? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. There I is mean, a I, town I, called it, hell. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I, that's that's more about they changed that for tourism. Yeah, I see. And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you even think it's in Nebraska, tongue, actually. The speaking of tongues thing, I was just like, I don't think that this is going to work out for me. See, yeah, I don't know. They went he, over the top. It wasn't just over the top for him because I don't see as anything. What is more dramatic than the Catholic Church? Like we mm. drink blood every yeah, but Sunday. You, but y'all were in ritual though. That was a, yes. that was a thousands like those were rituals that were thousands of years old. So that and, also uh, seems somewhat normal. I don't want to break it to you uh, nerds, but it's fucking wine, man. You get hammered <laughs> off of that. Oh man, I should have been having fun. Yeah, you get drunk off of that. But that was John's problem. Is that it was it was treated as a, a normal, reasonable thing, and, and he, he just never in. grew out. He was all in, and he kind of liked it because, not surprisingly, he was also pathologically repressed from a young age. No he way. refused to deal with his feelings in any way whatsoever. He was taught to push everything smash down as down. far as smash, you could because it because it wasn't masculine to complain or admit problems. Yeah, that at all. Work. That'll, yeah. That's going to work out great. Not, nothing wrong here. Why are we even covering this guy? Didn't he just have a really successful career? And oh, yeah, he yeah. Out, he came out with Gogurt, didn't he? Because of all of his healthy ways of dealing with stress? Yeah, it's our new series here where we do, like, successful business. Yeah, now. yeah. Because there's no way that this could lead up to him murdering his entire family. It just doesn't check out. But there was a there was a book that was written that back in the day that was basically said it was like a, a, a big old hit in the 1700s it was a hit in the 1700s but they said like the idea that like the modern man does not react he doesn't yeah. react he just he holds strong and he moves forward well that can be good but then also they have to be open in order to observe and absorb what people are going through so they can make the best decisions possible yeah i mean yeah. i think it's good for like pilots yes that is a good point tried and true don't fly into a mountain i just i just did some research on that german suicide story again oh god that's scary it's very scary i'm just gonna ask every pilot how you doing and then i'm gonna slip him a little bit of mushrooms (laughs) give him some psilocybin it opens a periphery vision to help him fly perfect Well, following his father's lead, John came to believe that a man dealt with his problems by working them away and or adhering to church rules. Because in John's system, work and God were one and the same, inextricably linked. 
I think this is actually kind of nice, though. We always hear about mommy dearest. You know, we always hear about the abusive mother who's wants Andrea perfection. Yates, which is a fantastic Andrea story. Another Yates. fascinating story. We yeah. always hear about the mom wanting the perfect family and daughter and stuff. But in this case, this is the masculine version of it, right? This I is the. You know? Just wait till we start talking about Helen List. Mm. She has her own problems. Okay, great, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as what impression John List made as a young man, the people who grew up with him barely remember the guy. If they did, the only details they remembered was that he was tall, snappily dressed, deeply religious, and solitary. He was so boring, in fact, that under the school yearbook's class prophecy section, the only thing said about John was that he would likely wind up in the Army Supply Corps. Cool. That's fun. He can hang out with David Berkowitz. Fucking Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald. Everyone else who wasn't Wow, there's a lot of people in the Supply Corps. <laughs> wow. That's weird. I didn't even think about that. That's true. And in the Army prophecy, they were partly correct. List graduated in 1943 and joined the army expecting to battle Hitler and the Nazis. Uh, I honestly just mostly want to go after their tax discrepancies. But this could have been, he, I mean, he could have been good at being a spy. He sounds like perfect for the CIA in some strange ways. Yeah, they have the most boring people in the world. Absolutely, who have body counts. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, List was stationed in Louisiana, where he was described by fellow servicemen as prissy and pious. Now, to be fair to him, in Louisiana, he could have found someone with the same political beliefs as Hitler. Oh, very easily. <laughs> so then he could, have, he could have attacked him, I guess. Uh, at that time, most of the Nazis were actually here in New York City. Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we missed it. We got out. Well, in 1944, List's father died, which didn't seem to bother John one bit. He took leave for the funeral, attended the service with all the energy and emotion of running a slightly inconvenient errand, and returned to base. That's what his father would have wanted. Honestly, yeah. Sounds like it. In 1945, though, John was finally shipped to Europe as part of the final stage infantry campaign across the German border. It was called Operation Dumbo Drop. (laughs) the man who knew too little (laughs) but pretty soon his unit was captured by nazis but since it was obvious the nazis had already lost by this point this is like the final weeks of the war the nazis changed their mind that very afternoon and surrendered to john's unit instead i must have been a day (laughs) (laughs) day is that in the war Uh, you watch all these nazis all like like they're all like kind of talking and stuff and just kind of looking at you guys and be like then they make the international sign for let's switch let's switch yeah you go like mm, we were just we gonna... might want to make a little you use want... it in me with the cop and you out here with the baton you want to be the prisoner and you want us to be the just for fun just for funsies okay this weird. is actually the most interesting thing john list ever did because he grew up in a german community so he was the one who actually interpreted the whole thing he was oh. the one that kind of brokered the peace oh. uh, i uh, am uh, the star Honestly, <laughs> by German, especially Nazi Germany standards, this guy's a showman. But yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, because John was a POW for a whole afternoon, he was awarded the Bronze Star, which was a great source of pride for him. That's about as long as I could handle being a POW. Yeah, yeah. Ten, a 10 long a.m. afternoon. To 2 I, mean, I think that's yeah. the most I could be brave for. I honestly, the, oh, the under of that is. 15 minutes? Yeah. No, I, I can immediately just see you, like, 
asking what kind of content they like, and then you just trying to figure out what kind of sense of humor they have, and you oh, just, yes, and just desperately being in. a showman. Yeah. yeah. Well, concerning that Bronze Star, what John apparently didn't know was that it was the Bronze Star was a meaningless morale booster. They what? just unilaterally awarded it to entire divisions during the final stage of the war. Yeah, it's like when I got the most improved trophy for Little League. Everyone does. <laughs> no one did. The worst one, but I got a trophy because I was. They laughed at me. They thought I was. Yeah. Funny. I was being I was a funny guy. Yeah. But you no. doesn't sound like you improved at all. No, I was very bad at baseball. Huh. No. No. no, no, no. It was a participation award. Mm-hmm. So when John returned to the United States after being overseas for all of 34 days, most of which were spent either in transit or waiting to be transferred, he consulted with his mother as to what his next move should be. And then she lifted her skirt <gasps> and she's like back inside oh god i can just see <laughs> all right mother. i finally just saw the let me uh, get my swimming cap on and no me no stop i was just gonna need a little butter or something 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 <laughs> slipper i finally saw the sequel to borat and i can just see his mother's bush hair very similar <sighs> to that actress that was the best she scene. was so good by <laughs> the way fantastic. in that movie that movie was so funny well together they decided that john should go for a business administration degree at the university of michigan in pursuit of a career as an accountant which John soon discovered was his great passion in life. Oh, okay. he loved being an accountant. Well, it's because was, it's it makes sense. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Accounting it's to numbers. him, it's hard numbers. It's and, hard numbers. And you have information, private information about the person. You do have a power to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, not only you know what it is. It's people. As a matter of fact, we should in, call our accountant and just threaten him. We should make <laughs> sure he's on his toes. Anthony, yeah. Anthony, you're threatened. I don't know, <laughs> but you know he gets this. It. You also people put their trust in you. You become a pillar yeah. of yeah. the community. That's another very common thread in family in family annihilators. Is that not only, especially this idea, the if they're the civil reputable hearts ones, right? Like the ones that appear quiet and unassuming at the time. That not only oftentimes are they quiet and unassuming, but it's more that they're like. Their morality is celebrated by the neighborhood up well, to a because point. Because do you want them to be loud and drunk? Like you never want to walk into your accountant's <laughs> office and be like, "You got a strobe light, huh?" I honestly, that's kind of cool. Um, how are the numbers looking? <laughs> I do think that there should always be bad accountant, good accountant. I do like the idea of you two accountants, <laughs> one guy with a skateboard back your backwards hat and just being like, "Let's see how much money we can get to the games," and the other guy is just like, "We need to look at the dividends, and I think we should actually we should work on d- deducting more of the, your." Exp- expansion of your house also i'm sorry they've shut down most of the cayman bank accounts henry so your idea to move your money offshore it's not going to work anymore. don't worry it's just it's strapped to me right good. now <laughs> very good the john list was perfectly capable of simply being an accountant but he would fail even in college at any managerial task and oh. showed particularly poor aptitude in adapting to developing situations. Yeah, they be, I love the back in the 1960s where they would do is you take an exam and then they would just like shoot like blanks to see if you <laughs> flinch. <laughs> Meanwhile, John was writing letters to his mother talking about his classmates as if they were all the best of friends. But no one in college remembered John List. Oh, it's sad. He see, he seems very lonely. Also, it's weird to just be yeah, that. I feel like the saddest part, which is, again, it's about an internal lie. You begin mm. to learn to lie right. to your own damn self. 
because what you're looking at, if he is a true narcissist or a covert narcissist, which I think he is, the concept is that you don't know that you actually are building a persona that is separate from who you are as a human being. Like who right. you are is scared, He's be- rigid, and that not only do you confront anything fucking with your rigidness, you confront it with rage but no one knows you just every you just no one has any clue and every single time they push you on a rule they say stuff that you actually see fucking neon red right you just hit the top of your rage every single time but no one knows you Mm -hmm. tamp it down but then you're already writing these lies being like and the one and you you wouldn't believe we actually all went to a hamburger stand together cyclone jerry (laughs) um a man who he changed his name to abraham lincoln legally he's hilarious no like all this kind of shit like all lies because so that you created basically he created his own avatar via the letters Mm. that's what narcissism is yeah yeah what was really strange, though, was that John didn't ever go visit his mother. Instead, she would take a three-hour bus ride to visit him at college in his dorm room for entire weekends. Ooh, I've seen that weekend. film. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> seen some of those. Don't want to see him anymore. I don't want to see them. Yeah, weekend at Horny Bernadette's. <laughs> I, oh, God, we should honestly oh, write we should weekend not. at Horny Bernadette's. You just have sex with a female corpse. That would be the whole movie if she's dead. Bernadette then theoretically is dead, which makes you a necrophile. This is actually really true, guys. If you want to die, um, if when you die and you don't care if someone fucks your corpse, you need to put a little sign on you that says, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's known in the will as the have at it clause. Have at it. Yeah, have at it. I'd prefer if you don't do that to me. No need. So, after four unremarkable years, John List graduated with the unremarkable grade of a B average and got a job with an accounting firm in Detroit. Whoa, hello. I didn't I didn't see you put on your elitist cap. I didn't realize that Marcus doesn't believe a B average isn't good enough. I got a 3.1. No, I got I a just... C plus average. I averaged a 2.6. You had to graduate with a 2.5. Ben Kissel does enough. You know what's funny is that Ben Kissel does enough, and I there's nothing wrong with a B average, B best, B fun, B average. Man, I'm not. I mean, I'm not throwing aspersions. I'm just saying it's unremarkable. I actually grad out of the three of us. I actually graduated with the lowest GPA. I graduated with a 2.3. No shit. New York Times bestseller. New York Times bestselling (laughs) author Marcus Parks had a 2.3, a fucking GPA. That shows you. Yeah. It's all about. Who you know. It's all <laughs> us. We, we, we propelled Marcus intellectually to be able to sit and write for two years straight. No, all it, all it shows is that I am very bad at things I don't give a shit about. In all my major and minor classes, I got A's all the way across. Everything else, D's. I got, oh, a, yeah. I got a D in bowling because it was at 8 a.m. Yeah, I can't show hmm. up for that. You did that on purpose. They wanted you to fail out. I hated that. I had I took bowling that. at 8.30 in the morning. Wasn't about bowling. It's about waking up, and you don't fucking tell me this is about bowling. Yeah, also, exactly. you're not drinking. It's not bowling. Yeah, bowling requires drinking. It requires wings, and so you get mad at me because I was drinking before showing up to bowling. Because Jeez. then it's not bowling. What if I never went to bed, and then it's not the morning? It's still the night. I just yeah. Now it's just super late night bowling for me. Well, when the Korean War came, John was summoned back to duty and did most of his term stationed at Fort Eustis in Virginia. There, his free time was spent either touring Civil War battlegrounds or going to church functions. Hell yeah. In September, yeah, fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> fuck yeah, Honestly, it doesn't sound that bad. That's no, I do. I guess I do. It's kind of interesting. 
In September of 1951, though, he and a couple of his fellow officers went bowling in the basement of the Zion Lutheran School, where an alley had been set up to keep the men away from the more sinful bowling establishments. I just feel like, it, I think the good part, the thing that actually keeps you pure in a bowling, le- in a, in a bowling alley is the other people. You yeah, know what I mean? I where mean- if you start to isolate the bowling alley, don't you think you're going to start Sucking each other's dicks in there. You might. What else are you going to do? Also, bowling alley is like, that's, you should have had a little bit more fun, but uh, whatever. That's my advice. If I could have given him some advice, I'd say, loosen up a little bit, have a little fun. Well, it was in this church basement that John List met his future wife, Helen. Now, Helen is one of those people who seem just fucking cursed from birth. Uh, and the more bad shit that happened to her, the further she sank into hatred and despair. Physically abused throughout her childhood, Helen ran away from home and married a soldier named Marvin Taylor in 1941, and Marvin was soon shipped off to war. All seemed to be going well, but when Helen gave birth to a baby girl named Brenda the next year, the doctor delivering the child accidentally splashed Helen in the eye with ether. Lord. This- what? This destroyed her eye's muscle control and made her noticeably wall-eyed for the rest of her life and almost and also limited her peripheral vision. Was yeah. she at Dr. Jerry Lewis's office? Yeah. How does it this does sound bum- like, did like three oh, stooges. Did put all that butter on my hands before delivering the baby. <laughs> yes. I always do that with the butter on the hands. It does sound like a fat boys movie. I, <laughs> and it's really sad that, that you become like one of those wall basses because yes. of it too like take me to the river like the eyes separating and, that's, that's a bad sad. look absolutely yeah, one, I mean you can see pictures uh, I mean it is noticeable uh, on the pictures that are online like one, her eyes are looking in, in two different directions but the nice thing is she's always the first one to see the plane and she's always the first one to understand oh don't go there someone's trying to pass on the left yeah but guess what man <laughs> she also can't see a tennis ball flying at her nose well she doesn't have that that's the she problem has, this, is why, you, this is why you need a partner who can look straight and then this is actually a perfect marriage made in some version of uh, purgatory or hell <laughs> Well, as far as more children with Marvin went, her next child died when it was six months old, and the pregnancy after that was a miscarriage. Tragedy after tragedy. Now, Marvin survived World War II, but in 1947, he was transferred to Korea, where he picked up a good old-fashioned case of syphilis, which he soon (laughs) passed to Helen. You mean the lover's flu? I don't know about that. I'm not sure if you were in love with the woman that gave you syphilis in Korea. I was in love for a full minute and 15 seconds. Typical. (laughs) Now, about half the people who get syphilis are completely asymptomatic and carry it their whole lives without any adverse effects. Really? Yeah. They. uh, Most people who get. Yeah. Yeah. Half the people who get syphilis don't show any signs whatsoever. So, guys, no condoms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No condoms. And what I always like to do before I have unprotected sex: knock on wood. Yeah. (laughs) Knock on wood. Everything will be fine. Knock on wood. That'll work. Unfortunately, though, Helen was not one of those people. She showed symptoms almost immediately. But since so many men in the military, like her husband, were contracting the disease, all treatment was focused on keeping our boys in tip-top shape. So Helen was denied the simple course of penicillin shots that would have cleared the syphilis right up in the early stages. By the time that treatment was available to Helen, it was too late. 
Her internal organs took a beating. She went blind in her right eye and her brain was slowly eaten away by the disease over the next two decades of being married to John List. Good Lord, she's like Al Capone. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. She's definitely not improving as a person. But before she married John, her first husband, Marvin, was killed in action in 1951 when he exposed himself to enemy fire to save his men, therefore ensuring that he died a hero for which Helen could pine over for the rest of her days. It does seem like the beginning of The Who's Tommy. Hmm. Because Anne Margaret, like... I don't know that movie. You don't know that movie? It's not good anymore. Oh, I used okay. to like it when I was younger. <laughs> who's Tommy? But The Who's Tommy, because it's she, her first husband, Tommy's father leaves yeah. they think she dies of the war and becomes the whole thing but then oliver reed's there and then and then robert plants tommy and then the pinball this is oh, no, it's, not robert, trying, it's not robert plant that's robert uh durant richard <laughs> richard Gribben. who's the nine for the who the other guy robert townsend uh, not yeah, him no, that's pete townsend no. that's a guitar player <laughs> robert uh daltrey robert daltrey swing the microphone roger roger daltrey shut up yes <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't even say shut up Roger. Wow. Well, you started all of that. Respect the father. <laughs> Hold the moral line. Okay. <laughs> Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses 
filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need square space to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Do you want to set your child up for success? Yeah. So they can do some work finally for once, right? You sit around. They're just playing with their blocks, with their iPads, not bringing any money into the house. What a sham. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework and you find yourself too dumb to help yourself? It's easy with IXL Learning. It's an online learning program. It's for kids. You'll end up learning stuff yourself because adults don't know anything anymore. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Honestly, I feel like a lot of children could benefit from IXL learning. I think a lot of adults could benefit from IXL learning because learning gets pumped right in your home. They don't have to go to an elementary school like Adam Sandler did and Billy Madison because that is not yet accepted by society. All right. So you make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast on the left, listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash L-E-F-T to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Well, according to Helen's daughter, Brenda, Helen was absolutely destroyed by Marvin's death. And after running through a series of men who might take care of her and her young daughter, Helen settled on the safe and boring John List just eight months after her first husband died. He seemed like a guy that could yeah. put a baby inside of her and oh, make she could, the money. Obviously, she, killed, she could still get pregnant, but that must yes. have been kind of difficult, too. Yeah, well, she just so viewed simple. him as this is my rational way forward okay yeah. i mean i i get it it makes sense you had your hero of a husband he is dead and now you're going with kind of a basic dude who's going to provide you yeah. safety and structure no theoretically burps, just okay. fucking non-dramatic no problems because one thing about men is that they never emotionally like freak out no <laughs> they're always just so steady <clears throat> capable rational i've read yeah. that on some things yes now, as far as what Helen's family thought of John, her sister Jean and Jean's husband, Jean, weren't impressed. <laughs> Wait, is it like the Bob Newhart show? My brother Daryl's my other brother Daryl's my other brother Daryl. Remember that? White people like to all share one name. Yeah. I and know. I don't know why that is. I don't know why we like that. I know it's that phenomenon. And when someone names their kids all with the same first letter. Oh, mm, yeah. That's it's also like very specific. Well, George Foreman yeah. oh, did no, that. That's, that's that George, 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 and Georgetta. Yep. Yeah. I mean, sometimes Gene and Jean's work out. I mean, my parents are named Bill and Billy. 
Aww. Sometimes Aww. it just happens. That's Sometimes cute, it though. does happen. But it's just mm-hmm. because they're raw sensuality. <laughs> Your parents is raw. I mean, truly, like, they do have a loving relationship. Yes, yes they, they do. do. They like to kiss well, each other. All no, right, Henry. I'm just still his parents. They're still. It's nice. She listens. His mom listens. Yes, so. I know. And I don't. Yes, they're, they're a loving family. We love you. Yes, yes. Well, husband Gene said that John, quote, wasn't one of my favorite people and considered him a loser from the word go. That ah. was in that was his words. He was a loser from the word go. But despite his bland personality, there was something about John that Helen wanted to lock down. Get him in there. I gotta get him. <laughs> yeah, she's a syphilis riddled mother of two. Yeah. I mean, it's not mother ex- one. Mother, so mother of one at this point. Yeah, mother of one, one and two ghosts. She literally has one eye looking at California, yeah. one eye looking at New York. She needs somebody there. She yeah, needs somebody I mean, in the middle. You know, I don't think I don't think that John is bragging. Is all I'm saying. Well, no, John, <laughs> uh, John's mother thought that she was, I th- what was the term? I forget the, the exact term. Oh, man. What was the term? She did not like her. Did not, oh, like, she did not like her. Oh, re- called her a dirty rebounder. A dirty rebounder. <laughs> yeah. Like Dennis Rodman? What's going on here? A dirty rebounder? Why? Or something like that. Just I don't be know happy if she used son... the adjective dirty, but it's definitely called her a like rebounder. That. Just be happy your son found a woman. Just mm-hmm. sh- nip it. Nip it, mom. No, mm. nothing was good for also for Johnny's mommy either. Ugh. No. She's on the remake. I guess. Yeah, on the remake. Well, two months after they started dating, Helen announced that she was pregnant because John's deeply held religious beliefs apparently didn't extend to premarital sex. I'm sure he had plenty of th- things to say about other people having premarital sex, but apparently he didn't have a problem with oh. it. I swear to, I swear to our sweet savior, Lord Jesus Christ. She came in the room. I had a long day in, at golf. I was playing golf, and I, to be honest, <laughs> wow. and I, I almost like it was weird. I had this this curvature to my mouth. It's called a smile. What? It's a smile. <laughs> That's far too long to walk. And I went. And I talked to Helen, and, and honestly, she revealed her apparatus to me. Her vagina. No, yeah, her oh, pussy. What vagina. You, you can call it anything you want. And it's just not an apparatus. The second I looked at it, it had a hypno wheel in it. <laughs> I had no choice. You were hypnotized to have sex with your own future wife. He made me do it. Okay. Well, I'm happy that you did do it. And you know what? I'm happy that you almost smiled. But what I found odd is that I did not ejaculate. <laughs> uh, she's pregnant. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. You have powerful dust, my friend. <laughs> well, John did what he thought was the right thing. And he married her. But as it turned out, the pregnancy was a lie. Ooh. Oh, no. And John only found out after the deal was done. But since marriage was a sacred pact in John's eyes, he stuck with her without complaint, setting a pattern of pushing down his feelings again and again when it came to his wife. Holding the line. Being strong on the coast. No one gets into the city. I've got ancient (laughs) walls up, working towards medieval walls. Gotta get my science up. That's Civ 6. We're talking about a family (laughs) annihilator. That That is horrible what she did to him, though. To lie yeah, about I mean, the pregnancy sure. and so yeah, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know understand if she why get, he would be upset. Sure, I don't know if she needs to get executed, executed no, shot in the back. <laughs> no, of the I'm head just saying he shouldn't have married her. She, she, he should have ended it there. Well, that's part of his rigid beliefs. Well, it seems like that hatred seed grew into a big tree, and that tree, it wasn't leaves on it; it was a gun on it. Every <laughs> every single grudge you hold turns into a cancer cell. Yeah. Mm. So by 1954, John and Helen moved to a Detroit suburb called Inkster and had their first child of three, a girl named Patricia. But from what Helen's sister, Jean, later said, Helen didn't even like children. 
and viewed her brood as nothing more than burdens. I'm with you, girl. But she kept having them. Yeah, she yeah. just kept you, having them because that's it, what you do. Yep, it would literally be like you if you said you don't like dogs and be like you have you have a dog. Like why did you get the dog? Uh, my I was holding the line. No one respects a father. <laughs> uh, Patricia is a great name. I feel bad for everyone involved. Of course. Mm, yeah. John, meanwhile, found a more prosperous job in Kalamazoo Ooh. working for the Sutherland Paper Company, which was essentially a box factory that pioneered the throwaway packaging market and looked at their contribution to the world's garbage pile as a source of pride. All right. Well, it's not that bad if it's if it's just the cardboard. It's the car. It was the cardboard, the plastic. They pioneered quite a bit. Like this was a company that definitely contributed to the rise of uh, throwaway disposable culture in America. How else am I going to get my flat screen TV delivered to my house? (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't watched Pocahontas recently. No, I have not. I've never seen that, actually. But in Kalamazoo. The Lists had two more children, John Jr. and Fred, and John List became the treasurer of his church, just like his father had been. Helen, on the other hand, didn't much care for church and stopped going altogether after John Jr. was born. Now, this was this was highly offensive to John. Did he ever say a word of it? No. No. So Helen's not going to church. Um, No, she stopped going to church. And remember, because they gave him... The opportunity to be treasurer. And now that he has gotten this lofty position, because not only is he a treasurer for this church, that means he is directly... Now, yeah, he was an accountant for God yesterday, but now (laughs) he is officially (laughs) an accountant for God. Yeah. And this is a lofty position. And no one understands the pressure of Mm -hmm. someone who has become the treasurer of a church who needs some backup. Yeah, at the church with the wife, holding the line, holding the line. I I love for profit churches because how else do you talk to God? How else would you even do it? <laughs> I do unless it you're at a for profit yeah. church. Yeah, how's he going to notice you if your church isn't gigantic and super rich? Yeah. That's how you get God to talk to you. Absolutely. Sometimes if I want to talk to God, what I do is I take my pants fully down, I bend over, and I try to yell into my own asshole. That would be more appropriate. <laughs> Well, Helen's daughter, Brenda, followed her mother's lead, and the slow separation of the List family from John's rigid religious beliefs began. Helen also began drinking heavily, and when she was in her cups, she'd drunkenly tease her husband for being, in her words, a goody little two-shoes. I'll tell you what, you're a fucking nerd. She's right. <laughs> and also, from now on, don't bother me, I'm in my cups. Hey, I like. I love the turn in my cups. I, I love the turn in a, my cups. It's a classy way to be sitting in a puddle of your own piss at a 7-Eleven. <laughs> hey, don't be bothering him this weekend, he's in his cups. He's you don't want to be cups. speaking to him when he's in his cups. John, however, would never argue never fight back, and would never even have a conversation with his wife about her escalating harassment. All he would do is sulk, repress, and resent. And his life continued in this manner for years. Press and press and press and press. And then he'd still go to church, and he's Mm -hmm. Mr. Treasurer, and then he goes to the box factory, and he's Mr. Accountant, and they give him, because he started saluting him. And he was just like, thank you, yep, I am a veteran. And he's got his bronze star on, and every day he gets and he looks at his shiny car, and he's just like, oh, I'm a master of the universe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they would say about John Liss, is that he was unnecessarily proud of about everything in his life. Like he's a fucking accountant at a box factory. It's and a he's good acting job. like he, 
It's, it's a, a job. fine job. It, it's you know, a fine job. It's just the idea of you start to see how, number one, which we I've learned in therapy and we've talked about learning from therapy about the idea that you are not your job. Right. No. That you are. But to him, he very much so. All of these prizes, quote unquote prizes, that society is giving him for being good, sticking to the rules, doing doing what he's supposed to do. He believes again, yes, these are these are not only prizes that I was given, but I took from the jaws of Satan himself. Yeah. They didn't want me to have this. I went, I took it, I did I'm strong enough. I hold the line. No one is fucking no one's breaching. No one's breaching. I mean, you know, good for him for having a job and trying to, you know, to be living in a modern family in what the 1950s. This is yes, the 50s, but, yeah. You know, it's not. But easy. it's an inflated sense of the importance of all of that. But that inflation was done via media too, right? Everyone was like the car, and this is when Maybe. big ads come yeah. in, and this is what he definitely yeah. internalized that. Yeah, what, what yeah, it means he, to be a man. Oh yeah, he absolutely internalized that. And he was, you know, hearing that shit from his father, hearing that shit from church, hearing that shit from, you know, the media. Like that's his work was worth right. uh what he could earn. And the other thing too is that, you know, it the logical conclusion of that is that it's never enough. That there you always want more. You always need more. You right, always right. gotta be advancing. You cannot stay stagnant. You cannot be satisfied with just a middle class life. You need to be at the top. Because if Shoot. you're at the top then you can talk to God. Yeah, you're you're right next to God. You you're go to God's the same favorite. restaurants as God. You go to the yeah. same gas station as Whoa. God. You go to the same car dealership as it's the, the Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's the prosperity gospel where it's like the more successful you are, the more God loves you. Uh, and that's how he, but that's what, that's what his beliefs were. But God looks like George Washington and he's got huge tits. Whoa. And he loves smoking <laughs> cigarettes, but he also likes cocaine in his soda. I love that. <laughs> Well, Helen, outside of the alcohol, she was also heavily medicated with the tranquilizers so popular amongst housewives of the 50s and 60s. Got a problem with your wife? She's talking too much? Give her some fucking pills. Make, her, down pills. make her a Stepford wife. Mm -hmm. Particularly, Helen was given thalidomide, which had infamously produced the so-called flipper babies in women who had originally been prescribed the drug for morning sickness. But see how calm you are? <laughs> yes, you just birthed a penguin, but do you see how calm you are? I actually don't mind being the mother to a dolphin. No, it's nice, right? So, because of the alcohol, the tranquilizers, and the progressive nature of syphilis, Helen withdrew and slowly lost her mind. She would keep the lights on in the house day and night, and neighbors would look through the windows to see her vacuuming at 3 a.m. We, My mom used to do a campaign of aggressive vacuuming to let us all know. That she was upset, you know. Yeah. All, it, but it also cleans. So. Yeah, it does, but it becomes aggressive. Yeah, mm -hmm. vacuuming can be very threatening. It can. Yes, be. it can be. Just ask a Chihuahua. But it's not like the neighbors could even show concern because Helen rarely went outside during the day and never talked to the neighbors. But like many miserable housewives who try to fill the emptiness inside of them with things, Helen was also highly materialistic. Well, she demanded that the Lisp buy the most expensive clothes and have the most expensive accessories for the children, insisting that they buy a playpen that would have cost $900 in today's money. We they're can't put them in a goddamn trash can anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can actually. They're just going to play with the box. It's a cliche, but it's true. Kids don't yeah. need what's inside. They, no, no, they don't no, need a $900 no, no. playpen. Just be nice to your kids. Patricia! Needs a pergola. I don't think that she does. <laughs> she I think has she's a mother own. who's sober sometimes. 
I'm just saying you're drunk and she can't even. You can't uh, even. I'm drunk. You're stunk. I'm not stunk. I'm not. You're. I'm just trying to. Take, I'm drunk. See, you. I'm drunk. I know. And Patricia's trying. To, she wants to play with you. She doesn't need a night. Everybody gets a pergola now. Everybody gets a little bassinet now. <laughs> you're, you're a horrible neighbor. Well, the ironic part about Helen's materialism and status chasing was that nobody even saw all these status symbols but them. Because nobody ever came over to their house except for maybe Gene and Gene every I, I, once in a while. I feel Weird. so triggered because it's just like me in my home during quarantine just panic buying shoes for no reason. <laughs> I'm just looking at shoes being like, why do I have this? Why am I buying this? No one's seeing these shoes. Yeah. I'm having the shoes on. I'm just wearing drip around the house. It reminds me when they showed Ben Carson's home. He took people on a tour and right above the where you go downstairs to his sort of den, there's a massive picture of Jesus Christ with the face of Ben Carson. Carson on it. Wow. And then you go downstairs and it's all just Ben Carson. Like it's like his own yes. tomb. It reminds me of that in a very strange. It's it's just very strange to get gratification out of your own stuff, but you don't get yeah. gratification out of sharing it with others, which is mm-hmm. where I would get the gratification. That's where I get the gratification. I don't really give a shit. No, I want to no. see, I want people to see the shoes and go, nice shoes. Nice shoes. That's Thank all I want. And then, we, then we can talk about, you have nice shoes too. And then what's your name? And then, then you have a friendship. Friendship. Maybe. Bridge. Mm-hmm. Made. Maybe. Bonds I've just been connected. I've just been spending the entire winter trying to see if I can find the cuddliest sweater around. <laughs> Soft, cuddly sweaters. That's so I've got way too many sweaters now. The cuddliest sweater is actually another human. <laughs> it's true. Closer to Carolina and closer, my physically closer and closer. My wife. That's called cuddling. That's cuddling. Well, furthermore, Helen would also harangue John at work. She'd call and say things like, quote, your son messed in his pants. If you want him changed, you come home and you do it. I mean, at the very least, if you're going to be a drunk housewife, you can change the diaper. You're not going to remember. You're blackout anyway. Honestly, I've learned that the best way, the best time to do chores is drunk when you get home late at night because in drunk yep. you does all the chores and then sober you wakes up and it's like all the the, the trolls came and the, the leprechauns <laughs> came and fixed everything. I also recommend ordering things when you're blackout drunk and then next day, a few days later you wake up and you're like, oh, what's this at the door? And then you're like, oh my Pass god. Me, it's send a, me a it's present. A cat. <laughs> I'm so happy I ordered this. Well, no matter what John was doing, when she called and said the baby's messed itself, come change it, he, he had a pretty, I guess, flexible work environment. So he'd drop everything, go home, change the kid, and come back to work fucking humiliated because everybody knew. Because he had to say, like, hey, I got to go home. My baby's shit itself. And I got to change it. My wife's refusing to do it again. So I got to go do it. I'll be right back. And it's that same madman envi- environment where they're all sitting there being like, because John can control the little lady at home. <laughs> yeah. And they're like laughing in one corner, which is a part of what they called, I like this book term, the idea of in the office, the, it's called cold intimacies, where you develop mm. these relationships, these inter office relationships, where they're like, you know, to your face, they're like, Sure, John, whatever you got to do, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see you at the meeting. And then as soon as he leaves, I mean, like, that fucking cuck, we should put him in a space box. <laughs> yeah, it's like jail. <laughs> well, Helen also loved telling her husband that he was nothing compared to her first husband, Marvin. Marvin yep. knew how to do it. Marvin never would let the baby shit its pants. Helen, Marvin, Marvin got shot. Marvin got shot in the head, Helen. Marvin gave me the funnest disease you can get from a war. (laughs) (laughs) Helen even bullied John about his haircut. It was dumb. 
It was dumb, but she would constantly badger him about like your hair looks stupid. You're old fashioned. Why do you fucking get a different haircut? You lied to me and told me you were pregnant to get in this marriage. <laughs> but it, it's the same. I actually, this is the part of every episode. I have a bit of sympathy in the origin story of these monsters. This guy, he is living a waking night. He is but living also, Kevin Spacey's life from American Beauty. You have to remember, and then look what happened to Kevin Spacey. You well, have in real to. Life. <laughs> you <laughs> have Kevin Spacey remember. in real life was not living that life. No. No. <laughs> same, same thing. But I feel like he. There is a two way street here because he never once said the things that he was feeling. No. He never. It was never a thing. Look, would he huff and go like. Oh, yeah, all right then, Helen, okay. But I, you can see the situations. The way she talked about it is that she'd be haranguing him and haranguing him. Part of it was searching for a reaction. I yeah. think that there was a part of it, like, looking, being like, be a human, fucking scream, like, let loose. Because every single time she'd braid him, he'd, like, sigh, go, like, uh, you might be right, Helen, or whatever, and then just, like, yeah. go to the slam his office door and then just... God, give me the strength to end all this, God. Give Soon. me the power. Soon, give me the power. Soon, I will give you the strength to end this. <laughs> well, in other words, Helen fucking hated him. Absolutely hated him. But it's not. also not like John was a fucking catch. No. He was yeah. obsessed with strategic military board games. Hey, and right, well, what's wrong with that? We'll talk about that. I, I, we'll I get, get into it. You know. Just let me set the scene. Okay, of course, there's I've... nothing wrong with being into board games. <laughs> I love strategic military board games. There's one called Black Orchestra that I love. But anyway, John would invite unsuspecting men over to the house to engage in campaigns, neglecting to tell them until the game was well underway that a single campaign lasted eight hours. Hours. They don't know that John List invented creating friends with board games because that's what happens. I don't know if every one of we've all been sandbagged by a yeah. board game friend. Oh, I'm yeah. talking specifically about Holden McNeely. When you show up <laughs> in his house and he's like, oh, it's just a game, it'll be fun. But all of a sudden it's fucking six hours and him just being like, you have to look at the rule book. And him opening <laughs> it up. Like, no one's respecting we played Secret Hitler the other day. This Secret Hitler? And he started screaming at all of us about not following the rules and how we were manipulating and gaslighting him. Well, all I know is Holden stayed at my house for one night and he was sitting on my chair and he looked at me and he said, can you give me a glass of water? And I almost became a family annihilator because the answer was no. He can get his own water. And then when he went to get water, he went to the fridge and I drink tap water because I just believe the tap water is fine. And he judged me. And I said, you get you get out of here. You get out of here. And that's Kessel called holding the line. That's called yeah. holding the line. You get out of here. Well, John's favorite game was a military strategy game called the Third Reich. And John would Wait, always well, hold insist. On a second. Was it pro or anti? He it's would neutral. always insist. It's neutral, but <laughs> okay. he would always insist he play as the Nazis or else they wouldn't play at all. But the, they, give him get, give Johnny what he wants. Trick or treat. Johnny wants to be a Nazi. Tonight. <laughs> He wants to dress up like a Nazi, like he's Prince Harry or whatever the hell the name If they only knew back in the day that they could just let him get it out. You know what I mean? He needs to get this out. But didn't no. he? Uh, all right. What? I'm not. Well, I'm done asking questions. I played for a Axis second. and Allies as the as the Axis powers many times. No. Yeah, I believe that. Well, one man who got roped into a game with John List described the experience of playing with him as quote exhausting. Well, yeah, it is an eight-hour board game where you're actively fighting uh, via the board and yeah, dice. Yeah, and you're fighting World War II again after he just went and fought it. 
and now you're playing the board game version of it, and you're the people you were trying to kill in the first place, which I think is very interesting. And I feel in this scenario, yeah. you're seeing the seeds of the man who's about to kill his family. I see. Yeah. John was also an obsessive right winger whom believed that the moral fabric of society was disintegrating before his very eyes. Hmm. And he would ardently maintain, maintain that all Democrats were evil communists out to destroy the country at all costs. Weird. Even, yeah, even in the 1950s. It's always been yeah. like this. But yeah. yeah, but then this is why he consumed himself because, you know, he's Spider-Manning the... He's Spider-Manning the dam. God, right? He's got two toes into the holes, two of his fingers up in the top. Right. He's got his nose in the hole, and he's sitting there just being like, I'm the only one between democracy and communism. I am the only one. Meanwhile, it seems like uh, the more you talk about the extreme control, that you, how you're the only ones who knows, you begin to sound like you might also have autocratic like things. Yeah, Inside tendencies. It's yeah. definitely Fascist a good thing he didn't have any more power than the power that he had. He seems like a real McCarthy Republican, and uh, yeah, dare I say, it's probably best he didn't have but also, anything other than yeah. a humble middle class lifestyle. The He's a dickhead who works at a box factory in Kalamazoo. Yep. He has no power. He has oh. no power. But he acts, he, he's acting like Dwight Schrute again a little bit, and then he goes into the scenario where then he has total control of this little unit. He has total control. Because the home environment was so miserable, Brenda moved out at 18 and got married. But since she got married only to escape the house, she got divorced. Then she got married again. Oh. Then she got divorced again. But finally made it work on the third marriage. All right. But, but John didn't look at this from the perspective that maybe he'd created an environment so miserable that his stepdaughter escaped by any means. Instead, he saw Brenda's divorces as a moral failing and became determined that his own daughter, Patty, wouldn't fall into the same sinful path. Just want your children to be happy. Just want yeah. them to be happy. But life never seemed to work out the way John List thought it should. And when the Sutherland Paper Company was bought out, John List was crossed out and let go because he didn't have the skills to be a manager. You got to be a people person to be a manager. The bobs Mm -hmm. came in. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Now, this dismissal of John as not quite good enough to join the corporate elite would end up being the pattern that would define John's life. He couldn't take being a failure and was so concerned with status, even within his own family, that he never even told them when he got fired, which happened fairly often. Oh, my God. He, Tell me he didn't do the thing where he pretended he, he still had a job and he would he wake up early. And he invented it. This is where, <laughs> this, is where this, this is the truth. This is where this bit comes from. Is this story really? Yeah. Yes. No. He was the old. He would get up every morning. He would dress. He would go to the train station. He would take the train a few stations up. Get off the train. Sit in the other next train station and just read for eight hours. Then oh we get back on the train, God. take it home, and pretend like he'd been at work all day. That is then, honestly that is a level of sociopathy, right? Like that's so. Yeah. Like what talk about living a lie. How can you, I just don't understand how you can, I mean, it's, it's just him. He's got a pretty good, uh, he's got pretty good practice pushing down all of his feelings so he can lie about fucking anything. Right, right. Eventually though, John got a job with the Xerox Corporation at a salary equivalent to six figures in today's money, which is pretty fucking good. Yeah. But But because Helen had such expensive tastes, John was still constantly in the hole financially. 
He figured he could fix his money problem simply by working harder and advancing in the company because he was told that's how life worked in America. Right. This is a meritocracy. This is what a man does. No, you have to fucking smile and you have to be fun to work with. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he just becomes a copy of a copy of a copy. And what happens then? You just slowly become erased. Yep. You know, he was actually the person who came up with uh, Xerox charging 25 cents per copy. He was that, the one that the, before that it was a monthly type thing. He was the one who came up with charging a quarter per copy. Wow. That was him. Well, he yeah. made them a lot of money. He made him a lot of money. Yeah. And he I mean, hell, he was promoted to director of accounting services and oh. placed in charge of four managers and 250 people in 1962. OK, but John's biggest problem was that he couldn't handle pressure of any kind. When he was forced to speak in public, his face would break out into ugly red hive-like welts. And when he finally got the courage to talk, his face would twitch and he'd shift his body from side to side like a nervous little boy. I just wish I was home, but I'm here. But home doesn't sound that nice. You can hear me speak, can you hear? I just wish I was home and same time I don't like home. I love this talk singing performance from our quiet accountant. (laughs) Furthermore, John also couldn't put up the family man front that was so essential to the corporate environment of the 1960s. When there were big corporate functions to attend, holiday parties and such, John was forced to bring Helen, who was frankly a big fucking mess. See, this is sad because this sounds like this was the funnest part of the 60s were all the office parties. Yeah, yeah. all the hors d'oeuvres yeah. when people actually ate like... Um, the when party they, from when, Scrooge is what I was thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really fun. When people have liverwurst, mm-hmm. but it was like classy. Ooh, yeah, classy mm-hmm. little livers. Yeah, yeah, bologna bean dip wraps. Yeah, that sounds I like, like it. <laughs> I love a good 1960s, 1970s uh, cookbook. Because, a savory jello. Yeah, you can put anything in jello. <laughs> mm. well, Helen... Drunk and loaded with tranquilizers, oh would my. spend the parties flirting with other men while telling the wives they didn't all have to be so timid. Let me see a little bit of your oh, breasts. I don't. <laughs> yeah, man, it's Christmas time. You want to see some of my breasts? You're talking to my my husband time. Barry here, and I. Yeah, I just feel like maybe honestly, let's all take our underwear off. <laughs> Come on, everybody! Wow, John, you got yourself a real keeper. Then, as a finale, she'd tell John's co-workers about how John could never measure up to her first husband, Marvin. This is a fun story. It is a fun story. This is so great that you brought... Anyone want any of that new shrimp dip that they have over there? (laughs) And that was when John's face would break out into blotches and Helen would be dragged home. I just gotta hold the line till I get home. I just gotta hold the line. God, give me the shrimp. God, give me the strength to give her back to you. He seems. God, give me the strength. <laughs> he sounds like a more sympathetic version of Chris Watts, though, I'm, because at least, like, I mean, obviously, is, what he did is absolutely horrible. But what again, a, Chris Watts seemed like everything was fine for well, him. It's because but, he was full of shit. He was absolutely full of shit. And uh, the fighting that they had um, between the inside is they again, he just didn't want to reveal anything because it came down to I'm the only person who can stomach this because I'm just so great. I'm sure, just so okay. strong and great. So I'm the only person that can handle this. Did Yes, Chris Watts and Shanann Watts did not have necessarily a perfect relationship. Shanann Watts did spend a lot of money. They did do it like they were like 15K in debt. Like when that was like one of the yeah, things that was I mean, one of the choke to points. every house in America. Yes, but, but Chris Watts again he wanted the 
cultural societal points of look how fun I'm this Facebook dad like I'm yeah. having fun like on videos I'm doing bits and all right. this stuff because she was a famous lupus sufferer and she she was constant she was very online and so she was like but obviously she lived her whole fucking life online she lived her life online when you look at the videos of Chris Watts you can see the pain in his eyes like you can see him being like I don't want to be on face I don't want to be on video right now but also he never said the words he never communicated so at some point you have to say well I'm I'm gonna say the this feelings he, that he definitely communicated uh, uh yeah, towards the <laughs> yeah. Rest of it's one, yeah, yeah that's one way of communication i suppose yeah there nothing comes from just pushing your feelings down again and again just no, pushing just, them and pushing them nothing good comes of that cancer or murder yeah and even outside of his problems at home john who is now 40 years old was a man at a time it was 1965 wow, by that yeah. point. Wow! Wow! So much fun. Age of Aquarius. Yeah, he has new music. Well, he could be doing guitars, dude. so much more fun. Come on, well, I mean, the country, in his view, was rapidly changing into something that was com- a complete breakdown of what he thought America should be. The I moral saw Billy fabric. Button on the sh- I saw Billy Button on the street the other day. Oh, that's so far. People have belly buttons. You have a belly, belly button, Belly buttons are feet a child. My <laughs> belly button. No, belly buttons. I've cemented my belly button over earlier today. You cemented it over with, yes. with cement or with... It's glue. <laughs> I'm actually going to believe it is glue in your case, Look John. Yeah. I don't well, come... Do- I believe that's true. That's probably the problem. Well, John was completely out of step with the culture. He was rigid, timid in the face of authority, and overly and overly proud for reasons that no one could ascertain. Helen, meanwhile, was in the early stages of cerebral atrophy, which is a condition in which the brain literally shrinks. Oh my goodness. Her condition this is because was, of syphilis? Yeah, well, it was originally brought on by syphilis, but the alcohol and tranquilizers only made it worse. Oh. Because by this point, Helen was up. She was a five scotch a day lady, uh, but, but was telling everybody, but was ardent. But she was just, I'm not an alcoholic. I only have five scotches a day. That's, that's, a, that's a bottle. That's a bottle of scotch. It's like a half scotch. No, hey, that's uh, a full bottle. Well, <laughs> no, no, for me. No, but five. Because you know, so the first pour, we're going to say two shots. Yeah. Third pour, four shots. By the fifth pour, whatever is left. Where did you <laughs> whatever is left. But if you're cooking with ice, that's how you get water in there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and then you're not an alcoholic anymore. <laughs> well, by 1966, Helen was in and out of the hospital constantly, going in for, you know, of course, the brain shrinkage, but also uh, she went blind in her right eye. Her legs got so stiff that she couldn't walk. And one time she fractured her skull during a blackout. Oh, my Creepily, when doctors tried to ask her questions about her condition, she would only respond by making smacking noises with her lips and contorting her face into a series of expressive grimaces. Oh, so she Which is the, actually kind of how my grandma was at the end. Yeah, the Charles Manson... Like yes. the all every emotion <laughs> yes. thing that he did. Meanwhile, horrible higher- for audio. Th- yeah. Towards the end, Charles Manson interviews horrible for audio. Nobody. Meanwhile, that is a great quote. That's a yeah, great yeah, quote. yeah. Meanwhile, the higher ups at Xerox had told John that he had advanced as far as he ever would at the company. Oh, so he switched jobs and found work at the First National Bank in Jersey City. In Jersey City as vice president. This was okay. huge. This that's, was huge. A, yeah, that's a VP of a bank. Oh no, this was big money at the time too. Like he was ready to. This was a big deal. He was making it in America. So the duality is he has this just 
crumbling family life that is beyond a nightmare. But he really is doing this. He well, is I'm, actually a I success mean, in business. It was, is he it not? Was a lot, I mean, this was actually this was just a lateral move. Yeah, like he's okay. he's he's but he got going the title as, that he wanted. The vice president. Well, he got the well, title. I, well, I think he was vice pre- also vice president at zero. Like he was vice president of something. Oh, like okay. he was. Yeah, he he kept getting the title vice president over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, and but it was and it was also like a meaningless like vice presidential title. Like it's you know it was it was not the best title uh, in the world. He just kept moving laterally again and again and again. But this was his last lateral move. After this one, it would just go steadily downhill. Okay. The and family. The, and he saw the wall and he knew this was this was as good as he, he didn't know yet. Yeah, he didn't know yet. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine, that's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know what works for you. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah, very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data, and you're kissing a lady on another planet. And data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me. Because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today. Right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you. 
2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, for, for this job, the family was relocated to the town of Westfield, New Jersey, and they soon found the house where all but John would meet their doom. And that doom was only hastened by Helen's insistence that they buy one of the most expensive houses in town. See, John's real estate agent was showing him houses in the twenty dollars to $30,000 range, which was well within John's budget. I'm sorry, but what he- was that number again for us? <laughs> yeah, 20 to Yep, twenty to $30,000 for then. like okay. a five-bedroom house. Okay, uh, I just wanted to shout out to everyone living in an apartment in Brooklyn. Yay. Yeah. They used, used to want you to be able to get a house. Yeah. But Helen insisted on finding a home that was, in her words... More elegant. Elegant. You have okay. You have the eyes of a walrus. You can't walk. You're a raging alcoholic. Elegant. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just, Butlers, <laughs> quarters. But do you think that you deserve? Maybe take care of yourself a little. Your My brain room. is shrinking. Laundry room. Billiard room. You're just saying names of rooms. Elegant. <laughs> Well, eventually they settled on a house that cost $57,000, which was almost twice their maximum budget. Oh. This place, located at 431 Hillside Avenue, was a three-story mansion with 19 rooms, 10 fireplaces, what? and five bathrooms. Why in the hell would they need this? Well, the term That's what that she he, wanted. That's what is, Helen wanted. This is the term that he used. He's like... I was too ashamed to tell her. It's, he said that they entered a phase of it was an example of conspicuous consumption in the extreme. Okay. Yeah, that is what he said about his that, own wife. It's, well, I guess it is conspicuous. But it's the way he says it, as if yeah. he's talking about his business. Yeah. Ugh. Exactly. Yeah, it's all the same. Okay. And furthermore, the house itself was a money pit in need of numerous repairs. So he not only was buying a house that he couldn't afford, he was also buying a house that he was going to have to spend even more money on. Oh, a fixer-upper. Y- yay! It's fun if you got Chip and JoJo not there making it light. Not for us. We are not to a fixer-upper people. No. 
Well, to afford it, he asked his mother for a loan. And she said, yeah, I'll give you the loan, but only under the condition that I come and live with you. Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> I am going to. I want to die for this. Oh, the line. John agreed to the condition and moved his mother to the house where he would eventually murder her. And in letters to friends prior to her death, Alma List would describe her years in New Jersey as the unhappiest of her life. Not only did he buy a mansion, but then I was forced to live in it, and then it sucked. <laughs> I hated it because he was mean, and he went and he had a tight little face, and I hated his haircut too. That's your and, son. Yep. I hated it. I hate, I hate my vagina for making it. I believe that. Um, this is such a dystopian American nightmare. It really is. Like this show, this this episode, this story is just so distinctly American in every way. Because it's also about living on the fucking razor's edge of your means. Where yeah. that's the only yeah. way to make it is just like on the blazing hot edge of what you're quite possibly could afford. And then if you don't, you literally destroy everything because all the loans that you've done, everything oh, else mm-hmm. attached to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when the list moved in, a neighbor named Harry Delvin tried bringing over a pie as a oh, housewarming gift. That's nice. That's what, that's when you could accept uh, baked goods from neighbors without having to worry that they're full <laughs> of like, drugs yeah. or <laughs> some kind of poison. But John List simply thanked him and said it was not their custom to socialize with neighbors, which set the tone for the next few years. My pie's not fucking good enough for you. Unfortunately, isn't that crazy? It's like when you, it's like if you're in a sword battle on Ghost of Tsushima and you block the guy's <laughs> uh, a, attack, and then it's like extra damaging. Like that pie, it was. It started as a gift. He blocked it. The Game amount of, of anger and yeah. rage. Oh. I, I would be look at so pissed if you um, rejected my pie. First of all, <laughs> I see this pie, and honestly, what I don't appreciate is that it's in the shape of a pentagram, which is a circle. Well, that's just a pie. <laughs> um, and I cannot have, um, I mean, honestly, I just can't be spending all na- day talking with you at the mailbox. I baked you a pie. <laughs> uh, a pie I did not ask for. You're a neighbor I didn't ask for. I Honestly, just, if I had the option, I would burn your house down and I would kill your family. I would kill your family. I'd take your car and I'd sink it in the lake. And that was where the first pie in a face happened. But it's yeah. true. But, you know, sometimes you got to set boundaries. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the proper boundary, <laughs> but okay. Well, from that day forward, John was known as the neighborhood fuddy-duddy, the highly religious right-wing nut who would wear a suit and tie to mow the lawn. Middle of summer, suit and tie. Middle of winter, suit and tie. Middle of the day, at night, didn't matter. Suit and tie, Always, no matter what. I'm scared of suits. I actually like that about him. Can I just say this when it comes to the term fuddy-duddy? You tell me that doesn't sound like the most fun person in town. Like the word, the words "fuddy duddy" should never be applied to someone who is bland, because the words "fuddy duddy" sounds like they have a spinner hat and they just they're constantly. Yeah, it's a mentally handicapped man. No, or just someone who sells a lot of candy, brings ice cream to random people. That just like, guy I is just want to make you smile. Yeah, of course. The town's fuddy duddy. I don't understand how we, as a as linguistics, I'm talking linguistics here. Yeah. How do the terms "fuddy duddy" come to imply someone is boring when the the words fuddy duddy are nothing but fun. I'm talking linguini here. I think fuddy duddy just comes down to uh, someone named a rocket. It's a, a rock fuddy duddy at some point, maybe. I guess well, so. I'm just saying I the think, words are fun. I know. I think, well, I think fuddy duddy is a way to try to make Dolph people fun. It's a way to bring a little color to the gray. Well, it's a fun person's word for a boring person. 
That's okay. right. We did That's our right. George Carlin word segment for today. <laughs> What's the deal with Funny Duddy? That's also Jerry Seinfeld. Well, John List was thought of as an overly strict, pious grouch. Which grouch, by the way, is a word that I think we should bring back. I think grouchy should be brought back. Mm-hmm. I we should bring think back it's grouch. A, I don't think it's a pejorative necessarily. I think grouchy. I like a good grouchy guy. A good, like, you know. Um, I like a, yeah, I'm fine with it. What's the what's yeah. the name of that famous actor who was always grouchy? Walter Matthau. Uh, no, not Walter Matthau. The other Robert one. Robert Mitchum. No, Groden. James Groden. <laughs> Charles, Charles Groden. Charles Groden. Charles Groden. Yeah, Why he's, he no, he's a wonderful. Up, how did he's we a get wonderful to Charles Groden Because today. he's the grouch. He, Charles Groden, when yeah. I was growing up, is the epitome of a grouchy guy. Robert yeah. Blake is the epitome of a no, grouchy Robert guy. Robert Blake is the epitome of someone who has not quite enough talent yeah. to be where he thinks he wants to be. And then he, he was, was great to... in the Tony Dancer uh, specials, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was beyond grouchy, but no, Charles Groden is a wonderful grouch. Clifford, yeah. wonderful grouch movie. I love a good grouch. Yeah. But John List was so sour that he was asked to not teach Sunday school anymore. Because he was, because you know, Sunday school is. I mean, I, I probably am not alone in this and thinking that Sunday school was by far the most boring part of every single fucking week. It was yeah. the worst. But he took it beyond boredom. He took it to the point of misery, where he made children miserable. Well, because he and so they that, asked him to not do it anymore. He well, legitimately thought that misery was what you were supposed to feel. Yeah, I will give a little bit of accolade to the people who had Sunday school when I was growing up. A lot of puppets. <laughs> I was surrounded by puppets. Remember All that? Oh, Christians loved telling, they loved indoctrinating kids via the puppet. I don't yeah. know. Sometimes puppets just somehow always lead to like touching a 23 year old's penis behind a fucking shed. It can. It can. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a different experience than I had, but sure. When people were invited over to the List House, which was rare, they found that the mansion was nearly empty, save for a few sticks of furniture. That's all they could afford. And Helen never offered any hospitality and obviously loathed any intrusion. Then things once again took a turn for the worst for John List. After only one year, John was fired from his job in Jersey City. He'd been expected to be a salesman who could seek out new business because this is when the suburbs were really fucking popping. No, he's but not since, a salesman personality. No, nope. no, no. He was off-putting. He had an yeah. off-putting personality to everybody. And so he couldn't even come close to fulfilling his duties. They gave him a year and he still couldn't fucking do it. And of course, the family was never told. John spent months sitting at the train station all day, every day, replacing his salary by slowly draining his mother's bank account without telling her what was going on. Not telling anyone. Oh, and the house was double mortgaged. Everything was was triple mortgaged. Yeah, he kept going and he kept going. You can triple mortgage? (laughs) Anything's possible in America. Jeez. Finally, he got a job as, again, the vice president of the American Photographic Company in New York City. But his salary was only half of what he'd been making at the bank. And even the bank was had been a small step down from uh, the one before, from Xerox. Yeah. Uh-oh. The next year, American Photographic Company relocated. And John, chained to his dilapidated mansion, couldn't follow. But according to one employee, nobody was sorry to see him go. Because at this point, like John is before he was at certain jobs, like they people would describe as like he was liked. Like he he was was liked well enough. He did his job. He fulfilled his obligations. He wasn't unpleasant. He just did his job. But now he is getting actively meaner, 
more mm-hmm. uh, more rigid, yeah. more and more intense about his morality, talking more and more about God at work, talking about these types of things where he is really becoming seems just like, a fucking bummer. No one yeah. wanted to be around him anymore. He seems like the kind of guy who would be like Richard Nixon. Yeah, he's a socialist. That's the idea. <laughs> he just got so beyond the pale. Yeah. Helen, meanwhile, was constantly demanding John buy her the most expensive clothes, all while she drunkenly and loudly complained about John's lackluster performance in the bedroom. Ooh. I mean, you're I mean, riddled and with John syphilis. And John keeps giving her everything because he's thinking this is how you do it. You make your wife happy by buying her things. And if I buy her enough things, then maybe she will be happy. Never mind, you know, maybe, maybe showing her any bit of emotion or love or anything like that it's all materialism it's all capitalism it all is money 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 so you would say it's about making her happy but i honestly don't think it was about making her happy i think it was about him believing he was living up to his obligations right. of sure. what a the father of a family does which is that's all they do they're atms and they pay yeah. out everything and that's and they sit and they work and that's the only thing he's good for well, maybe not making her happy shutting her up yeah, you know, stopping some, the conversation would content yes. be the stopping the conversation. Word? Perhaps content. No, I don't know. Making I, her I, content think, with the uh, no one's content. He does. He thinks being happy is a fucking like makes you weak. Right. Yeah. As far as the children went, John, in response to the cultural revolution happening all around him in the late '60s, grew ever more strict, drilling the kids on religious doctrine and determining their daily schedules down to the minute in an effort to gain some control. This is where the whole, like, no one saw it coming. John List was just this sort of, like, it just popped out of nowhere. And you start to see, like, no, there's, there, you could see him start to try to gain control, true control, gain yeah. control. Also, the 60s, I mean, yes, they were a little bit, I'm going to say, fun and a little wacky, but it really wasn't that crazy. It was I just don't know. concerts that it was were pretty crazy. It was, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Fucking nuts. People would go live <laughs> whole alternate insane. lifestyles. Like, you could go and live a whole new lifestyle. Yeah. That's what they were trying to do. That was the, the but point of those it. Ni- aren't those lifestyles basically normalized to this point? No, no not I really. Mean, it, no, at this point, I mean, in the 60s, I mean, you're talking riots constantly. Well, you're talking yes. about assassinations, all that, like, you're talking Communal about huge living, assassinations. Like, people Ju- going The li- protests, there's bombings. Like, the, the 60s are actually, as far as how bad and how much society was in turmoil in the 60s, it's actually played down quite a bit. And socially, well, not last week, but the, not anymore, uh, but it was. But now they, they are, de- like, communal living. The idea that, like, the whole point was showed of this freedom of, like, you don't have to live in the box that your parent that you were born into. You can do whatever you want. Like right. that, that, yeah. that first kind of breakaway idea. But commune, communes just became like timeshares and became. Oh, like of course, yeah, everything homes. was ruined by that generation. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Then when Helen fell again in 1968 and became bedridden for weeks with continuous vomiting and headaches, uh, the kids just sort of took care of themselves while John attended to his wife's every need. When I walked into that room, Helen. It was like the day that I married you. So beautiful <laughs> with the way you tense. were vomiting. It was tense and long. Yes, very nice. <laughs> well, when Helen's sister Jean pressed John to hire a nurse, John refused, saying it would be too expensive. But in a very telling move, when Jean suggested John apply for welfare to help with the cost, which maybe would allow him to take care of the kids, he gave her a look like she just landed from fucking Mars. Like, like she I had don't, six heads. Yeah, I do fucking welfare. Seems what like I? you need some help, buddy. Uh, yeah, you don't help. have to do it forever. You just just to get back on your feet. Help is what a man screams when he's stuck at the bottom of a mountain, not when he's riding on the wings of an American eagle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, is it on the eagle on top of the eagle? You're on the wings because it seems like you might be on the bottom. I'm having a hard time getting a harness on this eagle. Okay, and I'm having a little bit of difficulty with the seat on this eagle. Seat. Okay, that's the only problem. Okay, all right. But even as the family was falling apart, the List children were doing relatively okay. I mean, yeah, John Jr. was the type of kid who would stick a pencil in your ribs just to see you in pain. Not a problem. (laughs) Honestly, that's fun. But Fred was described as cuddly and adorable, the youngest kid. You know, and they're all teenagers by this point. They're like between 16 and 13. Yeah, Yeah, they're kids. As far as the teenage Patty went, though, she was certainly the one going through the biggest transformations, which to us, everything happening to Patty was completely normal. But to John, she was sprinting into the arms of Satan. Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs> I, uh, I, I completely forgot why we were talking about this guy. In my head, I was like, oh, I wonder, do they grow up to be kind of like normal kids? And then I, I remembered that they, uh, they were halted from doing that, weren't they? Yep. The year was 1970. And Patty had discovered the joy of theater through a drama oh. group led by a man named Ed Iliano. Now, John List saw theater as a, quote, field for the devil and compared acting to prostitution. He's not wrong. Uh, I mean, it's more, but it's fun to be. You, that's the whole idea. It's free. You Can I just be say this? Both are okay? Yeah. <laughs> if done, yeah, if yeah. done properly, if yep. done safely. Actually, John was partly correct in the whole field of the devil thing. Uh, Patty was kind of, she was working on becoming an all-around groovy chick. She'd go to church under silent protest and tell her friends that she was becoming a witch. Cool. Yeah, and she even went as far as she asked her drama t- teacher, like, hey, do you want to be a warlock in my coven? And they are all, de- everyone's yeah. having fun with this. Absolutely. You know what I mean? This is fun. Yeah. Yeah, really the worst Patty ever did was sneak out one night to go walking and smoking with one of her friends. That's awesome. And she was picked up by the cops. And when John showed up to collect her at 2.30 in the morning, he arrived in a suit, freshly shaved, as if he was going to the fucking office. I don't know why that scares me. you are crazy. But that really scares me. Like this idea that in order to go, like he had to like make sure that I feel I look as tight as possible and I look as as good and as conservative as I can be. Uh. He had to shave before going to the police station. Yeah. Now, a month earlier, John had freaked out on his daughter after seeing her wear a thin cotton T-shirt featuring a peace symbol and the slogan, make love, not war. It's the most typical fucking thing you could wear in make 1971. God wants us to fight, not have love. What is wrong with you? But to John, a thin cotton T-shirt was an offense to God. It's the only so, thing God ever did right was the thin cotton T-shirt. <laughs> he loved to wear those. So, in the only violent act towards his family prior to the murders, John pushed his daughter against the wall and ripped off her shirt, all while calling both Patty and Helen, quote, You're sluts, sluts, dirty, dirty, filthy, filthy sluts. Excuse me, are you searching Pornhub? Sluts. (laughs) No, it's it's just the title of my favorite book. Oh, I see. I see. Well, that or show her, take her shirt off completely. That'll, that'll really that'll show her how to be modest. He then retreated to his office and blasted classical music because that was the only thing he would listen to was a classical music radio station. But Patty responded by playing "Riders on the Storm" Whoa. as loud as she could. Yeah, that was like when I used <laughs> to play, in awesome. protest with my mom when I used to play uh, Billy Joel's "I'm Moving Out." Ooh, <laughs> God, you were so sad. Jesus Did you Christ. really do that? <laughs> oh yeah, that is the. <laughs> It's the most, most theatrical. Queen's motherfucker. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I was very theatrical. I used to wear a beret. God. 
<laughs> well, after that, Patty and John List stopped speaking to each other altogether. Now, this was the biggest conflict that John had with his family up to that point. And it occurred the summer before John did what he did. But it wasn't necessarily what broke John List. See, by the summer of 1971, John was working as a home insurance salesman earning only $5,000 a year, which was a fraction of what he'd been making just a few years before. And this wasn't really even a job in which he was particularly skilled. And at the same time, he had three mortgages on his house, totaling almost $50,000. In addition to that, he also owed $1,000 in heating bills trying to keep their gigantic fucking house warm, and his family had run up a $150 tab with the milkman. (laughs) I bet they did. Guess what, man? When that milkman, he brings the milk, but guess what? The milkman... He'll take the milk. Yes, he will. Oh, my goodness. A little vitamin D milk. Hello. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> I hate you. I yeah, hate you do. I love you. Though, yeah, you do. Time. Contractually obligated to like me. I do like that about us. <laughs> <laughs> the final straw, though, came when the house came under foreclosure. Oh. And John was faced with bankruptcy. And guess who had no clue any about this? Helen had no clue any of this shit was happening. I mean, no. would she have even, would she have been able to help if he told her? No, she would just no. call him a pussy or whatever, but it's yeah. still at the same time, she didn't know. What a she nightmare. was waiting into. I mean, really, I mean, these uh, kinds of murders often do come from the one income household. Like it saw, we saw that in the Chris Watts case, like the, her fucking, you know, the MLM that she was, you know, involved in, she wasn't bringing in any money from yeah. that. There's something about like this, like one income, like the housewife, like not working. Which, it's, I mean, which is fine if it, you know, if that, if, if that, that works, works for sure, you. Absolutely. It's economic in basis, but it doesn't, it's not, it's too simple of an answer of like, how then can someone callously just wipe out an entire family? That's what, that's oh, a no. thing. That's, of it's course, not you know, a it's, component, it, no, it's not an maybe, answer yeah. at all, but it's, de- it's, a, it's oh, a, a component, component that comes yeah. up again and again and again. Yeah. So faced with financial ruin and stuck with a family he didn't approve of or even particularly like, John started searching for the escape hatch. Now, he couldn't just cut and run with a divorce because divorce was, of course, strictly forbidden by his beliefs. Divorce is gross. Okay. <laughs> you know? I'm going to use he the also, word ironic in this situation, mm-hmm. knowing what happens. Mm-hmm. He also couldn't commit suicide because suicide was a one-way ticket to hell. And there was the option of simply killing Helen and running, but his mother was too old to care for the kids, and the kids would be traumatized besides. And that's a bummer. Yeah, super yeah. bummer. Oh, I now, wonder co- what the answer is going to be. Hmm. Now, of course, there was the most reasonable and humane option, which was to declare bankruptcy and at most slide down to lower middle class at most. And maybe, maybe be forced to take some kind of assistance. What sell, the man- just sell the mansion, get a smaller downsize, get another job like, you know, just do it again. You just keep living. Live. You like live a life, live your life. Yeah. And do things. Just live a normal life in a three-bed, four-bedroom house. Sure. That's all you need. But to John, going on welfare was literally a fate worse than death. A shame so deep that the actual murder of his entire family, including his mother, which broke two of the Ten Commandments, would weigh easier on his conscience than taking a single check from the government. That's just 20%. I'm 80% good with the Ten Commandments. It's wild. (laughs) As far as just abandoning his family went, 
John believes that his absence would cause the children to drift away from the church because Helen wasn't a churchgoer. So leaving would be tantamount to damning his children to hell. You can just see him on a whiteboard putting all of this list, putting all of these on a list and then just the equal sign murder he did equals murder. like everything just like circles this. back to murder yeah. and it's like that is the worst option of all he wrote yeah. it all out he did yeah furthermore helen was dying she had come down with paresis which was a terminal disease of the brain sometimes linked to late stage syphilis that meant that leaving would at the very least condemn the children to poverty which again was worse than death but the one option that john had that he could ask forgiveness for. Oh. And God would be totally cool with it because God will forgive him for doing it was murder. Ah, wipe out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. man, that song, it, it, it works in every situation. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So, so John settled, the, uh. he settled on a murderous cut and run. That way he could leave his debts behind while everyone else went to heaven. And with all the millstones around his neck gone, he would be free to restart his life as a new man in America. And that's where we'll pick back up for the conclusion of the John List story. Just like Feifel, if Feifel killed his whole family and escaped to this great country. <laughs> wow. All yeah, right. Wowie wow. We're going to get to the his systematic destruction of his family and his escape next week. And then we got a little, we got to relax it for you after that. Then we got a UFO story. And then we got our big old redo. Ooh, all redo. right. Man. Well, thank you all. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And if you are staring at your husband or wife right now, give them a hug. Yeah. Give Don't, them a hug. Hugs, not guns to their back of their head. Tell, I've always said that. Just say, <laughs> if there's a bad thing you want to say, it's so much easier to just say it. Mm-hmm. Then kill the family. Say it, get into a small fight, and then and then no, and, get into a big the, fight, or have sex with you, and then you have sex with each other afterwards. Sometimes, That's what I heard anyway. I know, I know it's also the truth is like you know sometimes you need to get to that big big fight that finally ends things. Totally, you need to have that fight. It's better for you to again. It's better for you to have the fight yeah. than systematic well, execution. And the nice thing about age is you actually see yourself getting up to that fight now, and you can't stop it. Yeah. Oh, you know no, what I'm you saying? see like, the fight little, coming. You're like, wow, it's actually, yeah. and I know it's, it's happening. Yeah. And I can see it's happening, but you can't do anything to stop it. No, because you are, technically, that's a healthy expression yes. of mm-hmm. everyone's, uh, they're, they're communicating. Everybody farts and yeah. everybody fights. So just yeah. do it with love. <laughs> and everybody fucks and everybody shits. <laughs> We've said it Not before. Not everybody fucks. Not everyone everybody. does shit. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Also, uh, we have some big weed news. Thank you all so much for filling out our survey. Uh, if you haven't done that, let's see. Where's the best place for people to find us? The Last Podcast Network Twitter? Go to go to the Insta, LP on yeah. the left, and we will be posting our survey. We're still trying to figure out where we're going to drop our new weed at. So anywhere in California. And we uh, looks like, and, you know, we've got some really great suggestions for charities as yes, well. Yes, we did. So, so we're, looking, we're looking at Last Prison Project right now dot org last prisoner project uh dot org check them out we did a little research on them and it looks extremely it looks reputable really cool. and uh, we've got to help because as i've said on abling us top at thousands of times uh criminal justice reform is the biggest social issue of our time the social rights issue of our time hmm. and uh, we live in a nation where millions of people are incarcerated that don't deserve to be 
and uh, we must do something about it. And it ruins lives right. for no reason. Um, and also, come check out my Twitch show this weekend on Saturday. What are you doing on Civ Six? Who are you going to kill? Uh, right now, uh, I'm looking at Egypt. I'm coming right forward. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm coming right for Egypt. Coming. I'm there 2.30 PST this Saturday. Twitch.tv slash Last Podcast Network. Domination of everything. We're what? killing Egypt this week. Egypt. You know, Egypt deserves it. They've had it too good for too We're long because for everything is so peaceful over there right now. Shouldn't have settled so close to me. Yeah. No, entirely there for Everyone has to go. I, yeah. I guess. And we're all working on our Twitch shows. I, I got a Twitch show that's uh, coming up soon. I'm not going to tell you exactly what the content's going to be, but it is going to be a uh, video game based. And I'll just give you the title. It's going to be called Till Death Do Us Part. Yeah, dog. Oh, I love this idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of our, our video game listeners out there, uh, video game players, can figure out what the fuck that's going to be all about. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm going to kick some booty at football at some point, and maybe even a little basketball, and maybe a little whatever. We'll have a lot But of nothing fun physical. This. this is all games. This is all yeah. game. That's the only way you can beat people up nowadays. You can mm-hmm. only do it cerebrally via conference call in your own home playing a video game. You can do a cough-off. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> um, nice. Check out the other shows on LPN Network. We got ourselves. We got a page seven. We got an Abel Lincoln's top hat. That's got to be fun these days. We've oh, got no dags in space. They just wrapped up their season, and we yep. will be coming back. I guess vaguely soon, like two yep. or three months. And I have a new yeah. podcast coming out called No Dogs in the Tub, <laughs> uh, which is really nice. <laughs> they're crammed in here. It's just, yeah. I can barely yeah, sit down. Yeah, we just uh, finished uh, season one. We're going to be coming back with uh, season 1.5 here in uh, about two months with a band that I think everybody's going to love. But yeah, we just finished up uh, season one, 10 bands. We finished up with The Screamers, which is a fantastic story. When are uh, you going to uh, do the Flying known... Burrito Brothers? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe the Flying Burrito you... Brothers could be. We can cover Graham Parsons at some point. Graham Parsons the... is cool. He also shot me down when I said Alice in Chains. What are we even doing here? What are we even doing? I don't here? even know. I don't know. <laughs> Allison James, I just don't. I don't fucking get it. The man. rooster. Like, sorry. What do you mean the rooster? I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. Hell, everyone. Hell, said Magustalations. Hell, gain. Hell, gain. Hell me, hell me, man. Sometimes you're the man in the box, and sometimes you're spoon man. Yeah. Sometimes oh, you're the rooster. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Depends. you're the not the rooster. Sometimes you're one sometimes of these the dead creep. guys. Yeah. One yeah. of these guys, and they're all dead. Honestly, Allison James is. For as far as that goes, wasn't the worst band of that era. I love Alice in Chains. That's why. That's why I suggested it. I I just don't. I'm sorry. Neither one wow. of us get it. I get it. It's your show. You should it's be in show. the car when we're fucking listening to Lithium and oh. Alice in Chains comes on for the third time that fucking hour. It is overplayed it, on Series X. That is true. <laughs> I just like a song that has only three lyrics, but it's three minutes long. Yeah, because man, they you, stretch you it get out. into the vibe. Stretch it out. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. Tasks are taking forever to complete and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. 
Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.